0: good morning good morning good morning it's good to be here Whew! I gotta remember to breathe this morning Um. it's a good day and uh, we're gonna talk today really out of something that I personally have been living but really coming out of the seminar the lord is is speaking a lot of things and one of the things that i realize is you know we walk this walk and we live we dwell together we we walk as saints we we serve him but i think more than ever i realize that how real it is it's so real and his word is so real his word is so alive and there's those moments where his word just reaches out and touches you and just really becomes flesh and touches your humanity how frail it is and and it brings life and I'm, I, I'm walking in that right now for for reasons that we won't go into but uh, I mean how many times have we quoted have we probably taught on have we dwelled upon the 23rd Psalm and yet today we're gonna look at it we're gonna just really unpack it in hopefully a way that is revelatory but um, real for us and so just a little backstory Um, during the seminar, quite unexpectedly, the Lord just in a very unexpected moment just began to download in me really a burden of his heart about the shepherd. And and just starting to open my heart about what that really means. We understand we've lived... The principles of what the pastor is, and in the fivefold, and all of that, and so that's not what this is going to be about today. Even though that all plays a part in it, we're going to talk about him as our shepherd. But you can't remove the under shepherd and the responsibility of the under shepherd in the church. And I wish that we had more time to be able to overlay the pastoral um, function in the church. But we don't have. That's not for today. That's for another day. But in the midst of of the Lord, just really my heart with this, I, I knew that he wanted me to to really understand, and little did I know it was for me, <laughs> but I also think it's for the body, because I remember um, years and years we'd be traveling in France, and I'm just going to name that country, I could probably say this about our country and multitudes of others, and just feeling this longing for the pastors to rise up and their true identity and calling in that nation. Because literally, I mean, we've traveled that country for 20 years, and I could probably name on on one hand the number of pastors that I know that are actually functioning in the way, in the Nematocos way. And that I, I'm sure I've not met them all. <laughs> I'm just saying in our travels and, and in and where God has taken us. So I know that that is something that the Lord wants to establish but today we're going to talk about the Lord is our shepherd and and out of this psalm and something that's interesting that when you look through the Old Testament there's a lot of descriptives for God for Yahweh for 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 the Lord you know whether it be he's our fortress he's our rock he's our 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 shepherd our warrior Um, there's a lot of different descriptives for him but when you move into the New Testament, just think about it. what is the descriptive of him? Can you name any? He's our savior he's Christ he's our savior, our deliverer, but he's primarily our shepherd and and so i'm we're just gonna just gonna we're just gonna walk through this together if that's okay and um I just ask the Lord just to speak, whatever He has on His heart for us to, to understand about this. Now we know that this this psalm was written by David, and and I'm assuming that it was written by David after he was already king, because I don't think that he necessarily his stuff was necessarily published until then when he was a shepherd. I don't know, I don't know. I, you know, there's stories about him, but his actual work was, was published after he was king and. And so, but what we have to remember is that he was king, but before that, he was shepherd. He was a shepherd. He lived the life of a shepherd. He, 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 he functioned as a shepherd. <clears throat> so he understood what it meant. What the shepherd, what that meant culturally, physically, functionally, spiritually. He understood it. And so when we look at this psalm, we have to look at it from that perspective. It's, you know, we look at it sometimes as just this poetic, it's just really more of something that's poetic, but it's so real, and it applies to us so much as we look at Yahweh, His eternal plan is our is our ra'ah. So we're going to begin in um, verse 1, and everybody good? So far, so good. Now, <clears throat> Yahweh, Jehovah is our shepherd. We know from from private um, previous teachings, previous studies that this word for raa it, it it means to tend a flock, to pasture a flock, to lead a people. It to rule. It translates to kings, rulers, priests, shepherds. It is our covering. It is our protection. It is something that we must stay under in our walk. We also understand through an, a more extended understanding of ra'ah that ra'ah, or the derivative or the root, I'm not sure, Pastor, maybe you can help me here, means to see, to appear, to discern between darkness and light, good and evil, tobe and rah, to perceive which pathway to take to overtake the darkness okay so he is our God his plan his eternal plan and he his person as our God as our shepherd sees and perceives and discerns as he leads us on his path and he sees the good and the evil he sees the darkness and the light and he leads us through that okay the Bible says the eyes of Yahweh are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Now, you know sometimes when I think about evil, I think about you know the creepy thing that hides behind the bush. You know it, think about evil, what do you think? Do you think demons? Do you think darkness? what do you what do you think? We all have our perception, I think, of of evil. But one of the things that the Lord highlighted to me, just in my daily reading was out of the book of Galatians what Paul says and it's not on your sheet but I'm gonna read it to you he says beginning in verse 1 he says grace to you and peace from God our Father the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age this is the ESV this is the Bible I grab. so forgive me it's not the high and holy King James he gave himself for our sins to deliver us out of the present evil age according to the will of our God the Father to whom be the glory forever and ever amen and then verse 6 I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel not that there is another one but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ but even if it Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. That's evil, guys. And that preaching is coming from pastors. Right? Right? And so, when we, when we, you know, when we think about discerning darkness and light, we're warriors. We're spiritual. You know, we, we, we war in the spirit, and and we see things. We see the demonic side. We see the darkness. We see that, and we live it as the evil manifests on our, on our, on on the earth. We see it every day. But this right here, his word, being—I mean, there is a huge war going out against his word in the flock and so as those under our Shepherd this is what I see so it's Galatians 1 now I want to just segue just a little bit into something that I think is a little bit of a nugget of Revelation or at least it was for me we have our structure we have The Great Shepherd, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, and we have the under shepherds, our pastors. Okay, and let's look what God said. Let's look what the Lord said in the Book of Jeremiah through the prophet, verse uh, chapter three, beginning with verse fourteen. It says, "Turn, O backsliding children," says the Lord, "for I am married unto you, and will take." you one of a city and two of a family and I will bring you to Zion and I will give you pastors this is ra'a those that see and discern darkness and light good and evil according to mine heart which shall feed you which shall ra'a you with the knowledge and understanding okay so we're going to look for just a minute at what knowledge and understanding means because God says he's going to give us pastors those the Ra'a and he's going to give them according to his heart those that have knowledge and have understanding so we're talking about the Ra'a discerns between good and evil and leads the people that way so this word for knowledge is the word dia and it literally means understanding okay but it comes from the word yada which is to know God intimately through relationship to have commune and conversation with him. Okay. So that, you know, it's it comes from the hand. So pastors that are functioning in that through relationship, through conversation with the Lord, he's going to give us pastors that, 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 walk in that. And then the Sakal, which <laughs> it means to be circums- circumspect and intelligent. Okay, but let me just give you a little bit more here. Remember we talked about the ben, the understanding. Remember where it's the understanding that discerns between darkness and light? Talked about it at the seminar. This is synonymous with ben. okay? There's some fine distinctions. But Sakal relates to an intelligent knowledge of the reason, okay? There is the process of thinking through a... arrangement of thoughts resulting in a wise dealing, the application, and the use of good practical sense in a circumstance, in a matter, in a scenario, in an atmosphere. So it's a measure of that understanding. Um, And it it translates, it's such an amazing study, it translates through the Old Testament um, as as success. So in the midst of the battle, Joshua had Sakal. And he had success, um, prosperity, and those kinds of things. But the thing that I, I want to bring to your attention is that so, this is what God says He's going to give us pastors, He's going to give us the raw that move in these two things. Well, the Sakal is what the enemy used in the garden to deceive Eve. Okay? So, let's look at Genesis 3 6 through 8. And I know I'm veering off a little bit, but I think it's important for us to understand this. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so this was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? <laughs> and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, I'm sorry, it was, it was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was a tree to be desired to make one sakal. She took the fruit thereof and she did eat and she gave also unto her husband with him and he did eat and the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves aprons. So if the enemy used this in the garden to deceive Adam and Eve you think it wasn't a threat to him right I mean a pretty big right right? to totally deceive mankind and separate them from the Lord from God so what happened was they stepped out of, because you think about Adam and Eve. I mean, they moved in the ruach of the day. They were dwelling in the presence of the Lord. They communed with him. They had everything. They were given full capacity. They were given the fullness of fivefold blessing, the fivefold mind of God, to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, to do, and to take dominion. All through him. All, it all came through him. Because they were moving in his breath. They were moving through him. They had it all. So he was really their complete and ultimate source there in the garden. Yet they chose the deception. They chose the enemy. They chose that wisdom or that something that would make them wise so that they could all of the sudden discern between good and evil. Do you think God ever intended for us to discern good and evil outside of him? No. No. And so what happened? What's the first thing they did? They looked at themselves. And they saw that they were naked. So, you know, we understand what that means. They were were exposed rather than feeling covered by their Lord. And so they found themselves naked. They looked inside. They looked toward themselves. And I'm just going to tell you. Humanism is the God of this world. It it is the God of this day. It is. And this is the evil that we are facing. And the enemy did not want us under the, the Lordship of Yahweh, of our shepherd, moving in the sakal where we we could apply we could apply in circumstances of good and evil through the application, the wise application through our Lord, through our shepherd to be able to address what's here upon the earth, to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, to have dominion, and whatever the fifth one is.
1: So the very capacity to be circumspect and to be prudent in that vista capability to be able to see things and preserve them. And I think with that, the, the want there, I shall not want, uh-huh. um, is if you look at that hazard, it's it's through the ages where we get hazard. So oh. if you get a road hazard sign, it's saying there's something up there that is not what it should be. There's something in this curve that is not normal. And um, it's it's very interesting to see how that word is used to describe things that are lacking not normal and um, I just think that you've got the three, God's plan, the ra'ah and he's going to specifically help you to avoid things that are not what his normal is yeah it's very interesting. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. that's, that goes right along with shepherd. Yeah, yeah. It's, sheep have no idea what they're being protected from. Most of the time. That's true. that's true. Yeah,
3: good point. Mm-hmm. Well, you think about how many times in our, our we we don't even know how many times the Lord's kept us from things. We have absolutely no idea. Sometimes I find myself going, Wow. Okay, well I could have gone that way, or this could have happened. And when there's good things happen you just realize wow god you you allowed that you you took care of that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i've i find myself just very um in awe grateful and just like just the majesty of god Yeah. you know just just going out into society now you find yourself like all these scenarios could happen and you're just like god you i know you've got me mm-hmm. i know you're taking care of me i know the angels are walking beside me mm-hmm. and it's, it's just a, a wonderful thing to, to think on
0: <coughs> so I before we move on I just I just want to speak into just that pastoral the shepherding and aren't we thankful for our shepherd yeah. yes, amen. I mean I grieve over the deception that is coming in our day and those that are I mean We can be angry we can be hurt we can be wounded we can be bitter we can be all of those things but i think above all i think we grieve in the depths of our heart of those that we've lost Mm -hmm. because they were our friends they were our co-laborers and that is the enemy's intent that is his intent that is that's his intent and but god knows like you said um, he understands everything that we go through. He, he's leading us, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's very hard. Sometimes, But he understands the environments. He understands the atmospheres we have to deal with, every measure of ter- terrain that we have to walk through. No matter. He sees. He's seeing, guys. He sees, and he's discerning that Tobin and raw, and he applies it towards the fulfillment of his mission through us. He is our shepherd, and we have to be so careful. We have to be so careful to stay under that. And the thing, too, is when I think of Adam and Eve, when I think, what do they do? They looked at themselves, and they they took their eyes off of him. They took their eyes off of him. And that is the God. That is humanism. That is what we, I mean, it has invaded the church, or it is invading the church. And so I, I do, I, I just speak into, I don't even know how to speak it, but those that he has called and to rise up and to be pastors throughout the earth, to move in these dimensions of him, I just speak into them. And I, I just pray that in some ways we can have influence and effect to see that to see that manifest.
3: Would, wouldn't you say, Monica, that these things that are happening, it's same as in the enemy said, I will be like God. I will. would like to have, to have exactly. even see it coming, you don't recognize it, you just, and it's that, it's just, just another way the enemy is just maneuvering, and try, you know, trying to maneuver throughout the earth, and trying to have dominion in this pocket of people, or this area, or, you know, you know, you see these things happening, you're like, how could this be happening? But it's just like a Is
0: to do this throughout every inch of the earth. No, that's good. That's good. So, in the excuse me, I think you know, I've been thinking a lot about shepherds and sheep the last couple of days. And I mean, none of us like to consider ourselves sheep because, like Dennis said. (laughs) <laughs> I spent a time where I <laughs> where I um, I took care of I had a friend a neighbor that had a ranch and he ra- he he bred and showed Peruvian Paso horses and so he would take his horses on the road and for a couple of years he hired me to go and take care of his horses that were left and his sheep and his farm his ranch or whatever so I would go like it, it I always went at like dusk and I would feed the sheep and I would have the bucket and I'd be walking through the pasture and I could hear their little feet <laughs> like that. but the and I could they they were like following me like with the bucket of food and I'd stop and turn and when I stopped and turned they were just like frozen <laughs> and then I would start walking you could hear their little feet <laughs> and I'd stop and turn and they would just
4: <sighs>
0: yeah <laughs> with the food bucket but none of us like to consider ourselves sheep like stupid and I know that I shouldn't have used that word forgive me um, what's well, a good descriptive stupid
4: yeah we're going to talk about that mm-hmm.
0: but the thing about it is is they're submissive their eyes are on the shepherd they're, they hear his voice And that I want to be a sheep I don't want to get my eyes off of my shepherd and or just in the structure how easy it is to take your eyes off and we don't put our eyes on man we put our eyes on the Lord and or not to hear his voice because the enemy is just he's deceiving if he could I mean the first book of the Bible the first chapter in the Bible right actually the third, but you know what I'm saying. So, anyway, our our trust has got to be in him no matter what the circumstance is, no matter where he's leading you or what he's leading you through. Our identity, you know, has got to be in him. It can't be in our own, looking at ourselves. We're going to sew fig leaves on. We're going to hide We're gonna have our identity and our job, our finances, our giftings, our anointings, but it has got to fully be on him. And as that's the case, we will not want because our wants and our heart's desire will be his heart's desire, right? His plan, okay. So from the shepherd's perspective, um, it's a journey. You know, I, I did some research about what it what about the shepherds and it's really pretty interesting (laughs) but they they are out all day they're leading their sheep um but let's see what he says he says he makes me to lie down in green pastures and so this is Yahweh leading us he leads us to lie down or to rest in the green pastures what does this mean well the pastures a lot of people would say this is food. This is our sustenance, right? But the pastures, it's a place of rest. It's a habitation. And <clears throat> um, what does green represent? Prophecy, okay? You can't get away from that. So even grass to me represents prophecy because it's fruitfulness. It's It comes from that dead seed. And so the green pastures would be a place of rest, a place of sustenance, a place of prophecy, life supply, provision, healing, rebirth, renewal, but also death and life. And And just consider this with me for a minute. You know, when we talk about the green and we talk about, prophecy we know that it's dead before it's alive right we know that it is brown before it is green and so I did a little study about the desert the Negev desert or Negev which is probably what <coughs> where these fellows were where they dwelled and where they traversed they they, they they were shepherds 12 months of the year well nine months of those years and I saw pictures it is not green and lush. It is dead and brown. And then three months out of the year, it is green and lush and what you would expect when you walk into Hobby Lobby and you see a picture (laughs) of the shepherd. You know what I mean? But what about those nine months? And that that, that is our prophetic life. So he leads us into, he leads us And causes us to find rest and to find sustenance in the midst of this prophetic life that he has called us to. Whether it's brown and dead and you feel like the deadest seed that you could ever feel. Or you are thriving in fruitfulness. And that's really the reality of the life that he leads us through. And we have to find the prophetic meaning and the fulfillment regardless of The stage, or what it looks like, we know we have to know how to feed on it, because he's led it there. He's led us there, and he's good, and he's in all things, even even the dead. He's in it. So what is he saying through it? He understands that tension. He understands that paradox and yet he leads us rest in it. I, listen, he has been teaching me about rest since COVID. And it is so imperative. And I think about Adam and Eve and in the garden and how they dwelled in his Ruach. And, and I know it didn't say Nuach, but I know that it was a place of rest. And from that place of rest in his breath, his breath represents that. Everything they did came out of that. Every measure of fruitfulness and multiplication and dominion and subduing and All of it came out of that place of rest. And so it's so important that we recognize this place. And then he leads us beside the still waters. And I love this because this is the Manuka or the Manua, Manuka waters, which we know from past studies that this is his breath. This is the continuing and intended abiding place of God's breath and his presence. It's like the temple place within you, right? Right? and he leads us there to drink for thirst it's always with him about relationship and commune first always now from the shepherd's perspective I I really love just how intentional his words are here because you know, sheep are skittish. We talked about that. They're so skittish. And so if you if, if he were to lead the sheep to a water where there was what's the thing that shoots water out? You know, there's one in um, Switzerland. Geyser. Yeah, whatever. They wouldn't drink. If there was any movement on the water, they won't drink. They're that skittish. Yeah, so that's how important it is for him to lead us to that place of Manuka. So that in that place of Manuka, we find true commune and fellowship with him. Shepherds will lead their sheep in the dry seasons, like we talked about, where it's dry and parched. And their entire day is structured around this part right here. Around the still waters, the place where the sheep can find drink. Their entire day, their entire purpose and focus is around that. Isn't that just like God? Because his intention for you every single day is that you find a place in him. And that you honor it and that you, you rest in it. And that you commune with him in that place. And that place for us, that place of still waters, where we have that intimate communion, where we rest in His breath, it should be the priority of every day of our lives. And I know I'm talking like Oswald Chambersy, but none of this came out of that. This is from the heart of God. He's saying, "What is that day? What is that part of the day for you?" Because that part of the day for you is like an anchor point in the midst of chaos and darkness and busyness and challenges of your days otherwise we can just so easily be tossed right when
5: you think about the sheep are out on their own device they wouldn't find water and they would perish they would so the, the ability to have that access to water is what keeps them alive and if you look at communion prayer like that i mean you have to look at it like that And certainly in the day that we're living now, where I don't think 10 years ago we, you you could say life and death was really, we believe that because we know what that commune, the kind of life that commune brings. But now we are talking about, (laughs) you know, living and dying, surviving in the days to come. It will will depend on that, that we will not perish, that we won't be lost.
1: is that what the church really
0: looks for? No. But is that what the pastors are supposed to lead them to? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I have to say about you, Pastor. I mean, you have led us there and you've been faithful in that place and this is not about you. But this right here is just because we want to honor you. That that you have led us to that place of still waters and you've taught us what it is. And that is the fruit of your commune with him. And your eyes on Yahweh, your eyes on his plan and we have all been recipients right as sheep, aren't you thankful for that I didn't mean to interrupt you and then no, talk about no, you I
1: appreciate that and I think that's something that we all, that we all have to have and, and I think that's a problem, shepherds often realize that you know they, they realize that if they don't have some fountain or some Dancing waters, or some kind of yeah. uh, rapid ride that people aren't going to want to—that's where they're going. They want New Braunfels. Yeah. They don't. They don't want still waters. They don't want the still water. And I wonder about—I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of this—but what you list here in John seven, where Jesus really says two things. He says, "Any man thirst, let him come to me and drink," and then. that believes on me or they engage in what he leads us to the Father. Belief is the right hand. The scripture says that out of their belly flows rivers of living water and there's two different things there's two different things there. It's not the same thing he says two specific things one is you find him in this place of rest and you drink then a result of that is out of the place of your spirit there's going to be water that does something else rivers of living water which as you just said the sheep aren't going to drink from but it's going to provide commerce it's going to provide connectivity it's kind of it's going to provide irrigation for crops it's going to provide lots of things that's going to be your what what the spirit within you has been destined by God to accomplish but that's not going to flow unless you first come to him and drink then if you're drinking from the Shepherd where the Shepherd leads you and who he is then you engage in faith and you're going to know what your father from that place is commissioning you to do and then you're going to bring these other things I just think that's interesting. But it still doesn't remove the obstacles that that we face in going out. Where, Yeah, everybody wants to have hands laid on. Well, I won't say everybody. But a lot of people want hands laid on, and they want the knockout. You know, they want, you know, show me an angel. The the loud music
0: and, yeah.
1: Yeah. All of that. But God is leading us to the still place. You You want to have both. But if you're looking for the result as opposed to the essence, you're going to miss it.
2: There's so many par- the, uh, parallels to this, it's amazing, you know, because it, the word pastor and the word shepherd is, can be interchangeable in several languages and um, makes us wonder at what point does a sheep become a shepherd and are we supposed to be sheep all the time or are we supposed to be a lead goat since there's a shepherd I think we're both are we
0: I think we have to be yeah. both
2: And because you can see times when the shepherd became God. And the church went crazy. You know, we think about all of those times where they're drinking Kool-Aid and, you know, uh, so we don't worship the shepherd. We worship God. The shepherd follows God and leads the sheep. And, and yet we know from other readings that we don't, we're not to be sheep always. We're to be, like Monica said, we're supposed to become shepherds as well. And do uh, do we all mature to that point? And the answer, obviously, is no. So are there levels of progress that we could identify? And it just, my mind is going through all these...
0: I, think, I just I just think personally that I could just speak for myself, but I think I have to be a sheep. I have to be completely surrendered with my eyes on the Lord, on Yahweh, on his plan, but I'm also in submission to the authority structure that he's put me in, which is my shepherd or our shepherd, and yet at the same time he's raised me up. He's raised us up to also be because we are – Forgive me if I'm not using the correct term, but we are the headship of this network. This is a leadership positioning, and we all have different callings and anointings in the midst of it, but I think there's a part of this. I mean, when I think about our seminars and I think about what the appointment is supposed to do in the midst of our prayer times, you know, those three different things, I I think that it's important that we all are aware of that and that we can flow in that. Because why did not, why else did he teach us about fivefold and have us interchangeably step into those different roles for insight and for application of that? We're not all pastors, but I do feel like we all flow and we can all flow and why else would he have taught us that? But we digress here, but I I just think you have to be both. I don't ever not want to be a sheep where my eyes are on my shepherd all the time, and I'm hearing his voice, and I'm going where he leads me to go. And that's
5: why the sheep doesn't have the cycle by itself. That's why they weren't intended to do do the tree of of knowledge of good and evil. They weren't really supposed to acquire that wisdom there, but it doesn't mean that God wasn't going to give wisdom, like you said, only through that source would you have the ability to make those same assessments that God is going to teach you to make. Because, yes, he doesn't want us to be dumb sheep, but in our but but in our following we are we only hear his voice we only go where our shepherd's going but then once we do that he is the one training us to be able to use the wisdom and have understanding
0: right right not to belabor it because i want to hear the rest of your teaching but on that i just feel like the world would tell us you want knowledge you want it all and we have to remember it's a strategy of the Lord to stay innocent and submissive and pure first. You know, like you were saying, to yeah. him first. That's
4: I just feel like that's a strategy of the Lord to keep us covered.
0: And, you know, Stacey, that brings up a point, and I know we need to move on, but when I look at our day and I look at media, mm. there's like this insatiable lust to be heard.
2: Yeah. So there, you yeah, know, along with what Stacy was saying, that you know, in the larger flocks there were always there was always of course a shepherd but there were also under shepherds and i yeah, think you're I, describing an under shepherd as well yeah
0: yeah but just in what we face today i mean we're bombarded with it and if we're not careful we will fall prey to it right it's just this pressure to be smart smarter than the next guy Smarter than the liberal, you know, smarter than the next guy. And to be that voice because, guys, there's the massive war against this. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, we're battling a lot of things, but this is huge. And so we have to be careful that what, we just have to be careful. Yes, Mark. Just real
4: quick, on the, the green pastures?
0: Uh-huh. well just based on what you said I mean then we go into he restores my soul and this is Shub. we've we've studied about this before it the the strong's is to restore to return um, to begin afresh or anew in vitality but I'm just going to quote something that I read I think in the theological word book it says um, he will bring back namely from errors or wanderings no creature is more really is more ready to go astray than a sheep, or more at a loss to find its way back. And all we like sheep have gone astray. And are we too prone to do so, to leave the right way of truth, and to turn aside into a bypath, albeit subtly? Then God shows us our errors. It's like the Nakam, you know. He he shows us our errors. He gives us just the measure of repentance and he brings us back into our duty and our place again he restores our soul through that process so none of us ever needs to think that we're above this because i've witnessed somebody that is die hard saints pneumaticos at least i thought so completely sold out look i'm going to give 90 percent of myself to the saints and to this message and then the 10% to my, my local church. I mean, totally sold out. Just slightly get veered off, and it just takes a very slight little turn off the path. Before you know it, you're over here. And we're talking lost souls. You know what I mean? Lost sheep, so he, he's so faithful to restore us again. He's all about that. And then he leads us into paths of righteousness, and this addresses something that Dennis said. I mean, that pathway, that pathway is rooted in his plan, in his divine plan. And through his relationship with us, his sons, he shows us the way to that measure of restoration. So he le- he's so faithful. His vision, you know, righteousness is vision and its purpose. And so through our relationship with him and through all these things that we've walked through, he leads us down that path to see what he's doing, to see his plan. And I, I there's a wonderful... Um, a reference to Abraham and Isaac that I, I read somewhere that had been written about but we don't have time to go there but if you get a minute read Genesis 22 about um, Abraham and Isaac and Jehovah Jireh which is Jehovah Ra and um, it's just it's fascinating bless you So he will lead us in righteousness, and he will lead us throughout the nations of the world, just like Abraham, to to really institute his tobe where Ra has been ruling. That's our calling. And so he leads us through that. He leads us through that. And through that, as Abraham, we know the earth will be blessed. Amen? And then, yay. Yay! Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil.
4: Yeah. Well, that's the point.
0: That, that's the point. And, and the thing about shepherds and sheep, and I can't help it. I mean, David wrote this psalm. So he had, it was poetic, but it also came through his experience. It had to. So when you're leading sheep, I, lo- I looked at pictures of, of what that rocky, hilly terrain was like. And so when they were, when they were traveling with the sheep, it, it could have it been very easy for one of them to slip and fall into the, yes. And so for them, the valley of the shadow of <coughs> death was something like that. It was literally like the terrain that they had, the treacherous landscape that they had to, to travel being very vulnerable to the predators that were lurking in the shadows. They had to deal with flash floods, which were really a thing in the desert that could just wash them away. But they were dealing with desert conditions and trails that couldn't be avoided because the only way through, the only way is through. Right? And our walk is the same. It's not just about death and life, even though that's a reality. It's about fear, it's about frustrations, it's about sadness and pain and grief and things that deeply concern us, things that might keep you up at night. Unexpected traumas. Places where we become vulnerable, but we cannot bypass them. The only way is to go through them. But we will not fear. And the thing that I'm learning, and listen, I've been here this week. It has been a very traumatic week for my family. And there were moments where I thought the grief and the pain was going to completely drown me. And there were moments when I was trying to, to pray and ask the Lord to lift me up above it, and I could not get above it. And I'm saying right now, I mean, I called out for help and asked for prayer to help walk me through this wall that I couldn't get through, and I can't even say that I'm through it, but I do know that when you're going through hell, you gotta keep going. Gotta keep going. Keep going. But that, that part of the journey is so hard, but he's in it, and he's there, and he wants to teach us through every single circumstance we have to deal with, because it is for the outpouring, it is for him it is for the manifestation of him and his goodness and his glory that we go through these things, even though we don't understand them. So you can't, I mean, I first of all, you can't deny it. You have to recognize that it's necessary. you got to move through it, and you can't get stuck in it. And I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody, if this relates to anybody, because you all could have just had the best blissful week ever. But we got to face these things head on, but we've got to move on. And, and we got i I'm so thankful for the prayers of the saints. I cannot even tell you. And I know each one of you have been in circumstances where you didn't know if you were going to make it through it. That it was very difficult. And you knew that the saints were praying. And it, it's just, I'm so thankful to the Lord and for. Well,
2: yeah. I think you're, you're uh, optimizing the key word in that. Through. Through. Uh, there's a lot of people that are going to walk around in the valley of the shadow of death, and not walk through it. That's right.
0: Yeah. But think about death and life. Think yeah. about prophecy. What if we never embrace the death? And that's probably a really bad analogy in the natural, but in the spirit, there's been times when I have felt so dead in this house as a spirit, a spiritual person. And I wanted, everything within me wanted to run away from it and go to the state fair. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I mean, I know you've all been there. But if you don't persevere through it, life cannot come. And that's the cycle we're on.
3: You know, Monica, I was thinking that this week because I was asking the Lord about some journeys that I've been on. And he showed me that when I lost my job with Dell, I ran to San Antonio. I remember that. And <laughs> I I just needed to get away from the abuse that I went through at Dell. I just needed something new. I needed to go to a different atmosphere. And I'm not saying taking care of my dad was wrong, but it wasn't what I was really supposed to do. And he showed me that this week. So it's funny that you say that because I just thought I was gonna go for a few weeks. And I stayed longer than I should have and the path was of my choice, but it wasn't the path God had for me. And so when he talked to me about that this week, I realized I ran because i just needed i was glad to get out of that abuse that i went through and i instead of staying on my face before god i said i'm getting out of here and i ran from my my calling
0: but god has restored you
3: absolutely he redeemed it he has but i'm glad that he showed me that because i i had so many questions Mm -hmm. and he just answered them so so you stay right where you are, sugar, don't you?
0: What? Sugar. He calls you sugar. <laughs> no, I'm talking he doesn't you. He hasn't called me that yet. I'm calling, calling you that. Oh, you're calling me that.
3: <laughs> I like, you just stay right where you are. I'm old. Sugar. I, I'm old.
0: I can say that to you. <laughs> you can call me that anytime. I love that.
3: Oh, you precious saint of the Lord. <laughs> uh,
0: and then it says, I will fear no evil, okay? Fear Fear actually can be a gift because it... Fear can bring us to a point of awareness where it wakes us up to the good and evil, right? Yeah. But what we have to be careful of is that fear is very paralyzing. And so he says, I or we say, as he walks us through this, that we will not fear. We will not allow that fear to paralyze us and keep us from going through. Sure. And because you know what? He has the last say. I mean, what's the worst thing? You always have to look. This is a bad thing, but probably. But never mind. Um, what is the worst thing that could happen is it death but how is that bad <laughs> right so he does have the he has the last say yesterday we did a French um, connection
5: a French connection a French
0: zoom with some of our French leaders and um, we did some prosuke prayer and one of them I can't remember who did this, who said this so forgive me if you're listening at the end of her prayer she just declared he has the last and I love that because he does. He does. And then David says, for thou art with me. And I love this part of this song because to me this is the most personal part because this is the first time he actually refers to Yahweh in first person. So his presence is very real and he comes to the center stage and everything changes, right? His way is perfect. He knows all things. His word becomes alive and, and then he shows us how to respond. I love that. We can't let our emotions really drown us. So And then he talks about his rod and his staff. And I know that this has been taught on before, so I'm not gonna dwell too much on it. But his rod is that measure of authority. His, you know it, He uses it to guide, he uses it to correct. He also uses it to beat off evil predators and thieves, et cetera. Um, He uses it to count the flock, and I gave you a scripture about that, where the shepherds would hold up and the sheep would go into the fold one by one. And to me, this speaks of just our intimate relationship with him, and he knows you individually, which is so beautiful. And then his staff, we know, is used for our care and for our management. Um, It's usually got a crook on the end, so if a sheep falls off, it can just reach down and grab it by the neck and pull it back up or pull it back on the path. And so we're very thankful for that because I think from time to time, maybe we all have a tendency to take our step off the path. Uh, And to me, that's like his Holy Spirit, but yeah. And then these things comfort us. These things naham us. And we have just been focused on naham, naham. We know the understanding of that is the, the, the definition is to sigh, to breathe strongly, to be sorry, to console to repent and the calm literally is our partnership with the heart and purpose of God as new walk individuals it is a deep expression of the breath and we know that that deep expression of the breath whether it be repentance or just a sigh or comfort whatever that might be it is meant to align us with his purpose always and with the partnership of his purpose, with his spirit. It's very much a spiritual thing. I, I remember studying Nakam a long t- uh, quite a while ago and because I was studying about the sight, because I realized I sighed all the time. And I t- I think I taught it in here about Noah and Nakam because Noah's name, it really relates to the Nakam. But um, it always leads us into partnership with his spirit towards his plan, towards resp- restoration. So he comforts us with this rod and this staff. It's about Nakam. And I love that. I I just think that's beautiful. And because we know his plan. I mean, we looked at Psalm 110. We studied that. Pastor taught us that. And verse 4 the Lord has sworn. That literally means a measure of completion or fulfillment. And he will not repent. His way is perfect, his plan is established, and it will be. So he will use his staff and his rod to do whatever he needs to do with us prod us, pull us in, guide us into his divine plan towards restoration and I know that I'm out of time and I I I, I didn't want to I mean I wanted it to be a conversation so um, but it makes me sad that we can't do the rest of the psalm but it's interesting because there's there's somewhat of a shift at this point and it shifts into the feast really a feast where the Lord Yahweh is our host at this feast and and so, let me see how I can close here. Let me just, decl- I'll just read the psalm. Um, verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Ah, there's so many good things here. Um, He anoints our head with oil, our cup runs over, and then goodness or his tobe and his mercy, his hased, which is shall follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. And we know that tobe is his good purpose, his righteous purpose, and the hased is that place at the mercy seat where he draws us in through intimate relationship and commune and he releases his directives of Tob to us. And so, he's got us. He's got us where we need to be. Yeah, we're seated at a table in the presence of our enemies, but he equips us and prepares us, covers and protects us. And, you know, I I read a quote about being in the presence of our enemies and that's another thing. My mind, oh, my perspective of that was always like demons just surrounded us, and I'm sure that's real. But is it not? Think about Jesus when he went and had dinner with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus or with the tax collectors, and there was murmurers outside that surrounded those that fretted, that envied. They could not hinder or stop our place of partnership and fellowship with him is that not also our enemies that are surrounding us and so I read this quote that says the mark of favor is public and it's unmistakable and I love that because we're always going to be in the presence of our enemies because they're, gonna, they're looking in and yet it's his table and his banner over us is love and in the midst of it we are dwelling in goodness and in mercy and intimate fellowship with him towards the directives of his tobe and the restoration for which he's called us to accomplish. So thank you for being here and thank you Lord for helping me get through this. Lord I thank you for your spirit that overrides everything. I thank you for your word that is alive. I thank you for your saints. I thank you for your heart. And I just ask you, Lord, that today, as your servants, as your sons, as your sheep, that we would have our eyes on you, that we would have our ears up next to your breast that we would hear your heartbeat that we would hear your voice and I just ask for a measure of that in the days to come Lord open our, eyes, open our ears protect the protect the eye gate and the ear gate from the enemy from the voices of the enemy but Lord help our eyes to be on you help us to raw to discern good and evil And to follow you in that pathway of righteousness. Lord, we thank you for that. And I bless this people. I bless this morning, this day. And Lord, more than anything, we just want your presence. So just fill this house with your presence to overflowing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.